First Peter chapter 5, 8 is our text for this series on learning from roadkill. We're, we're in the middle of a series talking about um, animals. We, I, I've researched and found 10 of the most common animals that are killed on the roads. And uh, welcome, by the way, those of you who are watching on Facebook, welcome to our service this morning. And 10 of the most common animals that have been killed on the roads and studying them and trying to find at least one fatal flaw, one thing that I would think if they didn't do, um, they, would, they would survive. And then making a spiritual application to that. We talked about snakes, we talked about skunks and different things like that. And today we're gonna be finishing the message we started last week on the frivolous frog. The frivolous frog. We started talking about frogs last week and uh, it was uh, very, uh, very interesting to study them. When you really start studying animals, you start learning things about them and you start seeing things that God created them with and just the, just the creative, I, I hate because it sounds, it, it just sounds so trite, I guess, but the creative genius of God. Did anybody go to, <clears throat> go and probably not, but did anybody Google frogs this week just to look and see the different colors? Are? Do that sometime, man. And just look at the different colors that different frogs have. The bright red ones, orange frogs, um, different shades of green that different frogs have. And the ones, my favorite, I mentioned them last week, the blue jean frog, that from the waist down is indigo blue. They're just gorgeous. Gorgeous frogs. But uh, we're not talking about them in gorgeous tones in this message. First um, Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. And that is so indicative of our times today because Satan is going around looking to destroy anybody's life that he can. He's looking for Christians to destroy, and we're seeing it happen over and over and over again. We're seeing people struggling with their faith, struggling with um, many different areas, and we're seeing churches attacking churches, and we're seeing church people attack each other. And rather than being a, a circle of people going out to the world trying to win people to Christ, we've become a circle of people looking at each other and picking each other apart and fighting with each other over silly things like whether or not we should meet and whether or not we should. I remember when, when uh, COVID first started, churches were like, well, we don't, we don't do things online. Well, you're not going to have anything. You have to do what you have to do to reach people. But that is a tactic of Satan to get churches to attack each other, to get Christians to attack each other, to divert us from the focus and the goal of honoring Jesus Christ with our lives and reaching people with the gospel. Now, today we're talking about frogs. Some people like frogs. Some people don't really like frogs. But we all know something about frogs, and this is a continuation, so I'm going to review a little bit, and then we're going to get into the last part of the message. Last week, I gave you some, some uh, characteristics about frogs that I want to share with you again this morning. There are over 5,000 different species of frogs in the world. Can you imagine that? Not only did God create frogs, he created 5,000 different species of frogs just because he could. And each one of those frogs, we'll get there in a second. A group of frogs is called an army, become my favorite animal. Just because of that, frogs drink water through their skin. They soak it in. 
<clears throat> would that be called science, anybody that's science, would that be called osmosis? Would that be an example of osmosis? Sure. Maybe I'll look it up later. <laughs> How, yeah, we just soak things in. <clears throat> Frogs are found on every continent except Antarctica. And each frog species, this was one that was really unique to me because of the spiritual application we can make. Each species of frog has its own particular call. So one frog, a frog from one species makes its call and only a frog from the other species recognizes it. And to me, that speaks of the creative genius of God where he says in Romans that because he reveals himself to us in nature, we are without excuse. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Only the Listen, the Bible also says the things of God are spiritually discerned. Did you know that? You're, you know that? Do you ever understand? You, you understand the fact that you understand things in a spiritual way, but your, law, your unsaved friends don't? That is the way God designed it. We are spirit, there, there is spiritual discernment that is given to you when you accept Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit inhabits your, inhabits your spirit now. You understand things and you see the Word of God in a spiritual way where lost people don't. That's what Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know, and I know, that, and they know me and they follow me. Great example with frogs here. Some frogs can jump up to 10 times their length, or 20 times their length. I'm sorry, I should put my glasses on so I can read properly. 20 times their length. That's the equivalent of a human being able to jump 30 yards. In the wild, a frog lives between 10 and 12 years in captivity. They can live up to 20 years. So, Sarah, when your son brings home a frog, he'll have it through the childhood years, and you'll inherit that frog when he goes off to college because it'll live for 20 years, just saying. Yes. <laughs> yes, because I know your son will bring home a frog, and Jeremy will teach him how to play with it because that's Jeremy. But I digress, okay? <clears throat> the golden dart frog is the most poisonous frog on earth, and the skin of one frog can kill up to a 1,000 people. The largest frog in the world is the Goliath frog. It can grow up to 15 inches long and weigh up to 7 pounds. The smallest frog in the world is found in New Guinea, and it grows to just 7 millimeters or a quarter of an inch. Frogs have great night vision. And frogs eat meat. Now, frogs eat meat, and they use their tongues. Their tongues are extra sticky, and they use their tongues to catch their prey. In fact, a frog's tongue is connected. Our tongues are correct, connected at the back of our mouths. A frog's tongue is connected at the front of its mouth. So it can reach out farther and frogs catch their prey and they bring it into their mouths, but their eyes are on the top of their head and they're designed in such a way that they, when they bring the food into their mouths, they can sink their eyes down into their mouth and it helps push the food along. It's so cool. Kind of weird, but kind of cool. And frogs are active during rainy days and especially rainy nights. Looking for a fatal flaw, which is what we're doing in this series. We're looking for the fatal flaw in each animal. Looking for a fatal flaw, fatal flaw in a frog is very difficult because um, for a few different reasons. I dug in and I kept, kept struggling to find what it was about frogs that I could make an application with. And then as I researched, I came across a couple studies, and one in particular, and it dawned on me. The frog doesn't really have any compelling reason to be on the road. There's no real reason for the frog to be on the road. He's got everything he needs in his pond. 
And yes, he likes to go back to his pond of origin, uh, but there's really no reason for the frog to leave his own pond. So he's, he really has no compelling reason to be on the road. And in this one study I read, the researchers, they went out at night, they studied him at night, and they observed the frogs on a rainy, dark night, on a wet road, and they said it looked like the frogs were playing in the rain on the road. That's how they described it. They weren't just trying to cross the road. It looked like they were playing in the rain on the road. And in fact, there are times when an entire army of frogs will be on the road and almost an entire army from one pond will be killed on a road in one night because they stay and play on the road. At least that's how it appeared to these research. And then it hit me. For us as Christians, it's like playing in a minefield. All of this leads me to the conclusion that frogs die on the road because of their frivolous activities. And today, we're going to be finishing our sermon about the frivolous frog. Being on the road isn't where they were designed to be. Hunting on the road isn't where their gifts are best used. And playing on the road puts them in immense danger. In short, the frog has no good reason to be on the road. There's nothing there that he can't find in his natural habitat. It's a frivolous action. It lacks any serious purpose. And I believe many Christians are like frivolous frogs, and that's what we talked about in last week's message. Frivolous Christians involve themselves in actions and activities that are not, desi not designed for followers of Jesus. They spend much of their time in things that don't use spiritual gifts, and by their choices, they place themselves in great, great danger. Understand this. You have enough to be concerned about as a Christian with Satan, right? We, our text verse is 1 Peter 5.8. This dude's already going around like a lion looking to devour you. You don't need to make yourself easy prey. But yet many Christians do. We put ourselves in situations or we ignore the dangers right in front of us and we make ourselves easy prey. And it's danger that we choose and it's danger that is easily avoidable. It's as avoidable as a frog not going into the street. Do you realize that? If a frog didn't go into the street, it wouldn't get hit by a car. That is so obvious, isn't it? And yet it's so true. If a frog didn't go into the street, it wouldn't be run over by a car. If Christians, if we didn't put ourselves in situations and places and circumstances where our destruction is almost assured, we wouldn't have those problems. Yet we do. The word frivolous means not having any serious purpose, overconfident, daring. Frivolous faith means that there's not much there, there. Having a frivolous faith means there's not much there, there. There is grave danger for a believer who faces life with a frivolous faith. And last week we talked about the dangers of, three dangers of living with a frivolous faith. The first one is it's senseless. Not that it's senseless to live in faith, but a frivolous Christian living their life with a frivolous faith sees living as a Christian as senseless. It's senseless service and sacrifice. Service and sacrifice in a church seems senseless to a frivolous Christian. The things of God seem burdensome and foolish. Oh, why do I have to do that? 
Why, why do we have to do it that way? Oh, why do I don't have to go to church. I can worship God anywhere. You've got a privilege. I'm, I'm just, listen, I've, I'm done. I'm done with the crazy little arguments and, the, and little discussions about this because none of them work for you, okay? Church is, ne- church is necessary. We're finding that now. We're fi- people are finding that out now. I'm talking with people left uh, at, our, at the boys' baseball game yesterday. Aaron was, she's a, she's a good multitasker. Aaron is, I, I, don't tell her. But I think she has ADD. Because Aaron can, like, I have to focus. I got a new watch band. We're off topic, but that's okay. I got a new watch band for my, for my um, Apple Watch. And it's one of those paracords, you know, those survival cords. But it's got the ichthus, so it's like my savior, my savior. My... <sighs> the one thing that they didn't describe in it is the fact that the clasp has this little button, this little bar that screws out, and it's not attached. So every time it comes out, you have to put it back in when you want to put the watch on. My wrists are not small, and this left one, I got this crushed in a forklift, so it's kind of flat. It really is, it's kind of flat. And putting a watch on this left, it's crazy, and I have to focus really hard, to, and it takes about five or six minutes and sometimes longer to put my watch on. Aaron can do that while she's doing several different things. I have to focus on this. Aaron can, like, do several things at once. She's the ultimate multitasker. And yesterday at the baseball game, while she's watching our boys play baseball and cheering them on and being the loud cheerleader, in fact, uh, when Joao, uh, if you watch, if you go to Flavia's, uh, Flavia, uh, her Facebook page, uh, Joao, Osvaldo and Flavia's son, a Brazilian pastor, pastor's wife, he hit a grand slam yesterday for us, won the game for us. And you can hear, I listened to it with the sound on, and I heard Aaron <laughs> screaming and yelling for Joao. And, uh, and well, all of them, yeah. But um, while she was doing all this, she's talking to two moms about our church at separate times at a baseball game. So she's multitasking. And, and at this time, we need that kind of stuff. We need to be able to multitask. We need to be able to talk with people. Why? Because right now, in this moment in history, People are looking for something to believe in. And as the church, we are, we're struggling to find our footing many times. Many Christians are struggling to find their footing. And when at the greatest moment in history in, in our lives to share our faith when people are ready for something, Christians are being distracted and we're not able to multitask and we're not able to survive the COVID pandemic and the mental stress that it puts on us and still live our faith. And for some people, service during this time is senseless. Church attendance this, at, during this time is senseless. Reaching out to others with our faith right now is senseless because I just need to survive. The little things about God are, are burdensome and foolishness to them. Following God's rules makes no sense. And when you start seeing the things of God and the the commandments and the, the teachings of God as rules rather than 
guidelines for life, you're in danger. The second thing we saw is that frivolous faith is irresponsible. It's irresponsible in the area of discipleship. Remember we said last week that we're always in discipleship. We talk about discipleship as being something that we take new Christians through or people who have never really been grounded in their faith. We take them through a basic discipleship course. But that's a beginner's discipleship course. That's like, that's like freshman year. You know, when, when you go to Bible college, any, any, co any Bible college worth its salt, you have to take a basic discipleship course in your, first, in your freshman year to get grounded in your faith. There's a, any, any Bible college worth its salt will, will have that. <laughs> but after you go through that course, that doesn't mean you're done. You're continuing to learn and grow, and all the time you're taking more classes, more classes, more classes, so that you can get to that degree. And you know, as a Christian, we're always in discipleship. We're always in discipleship. Do you realize you're always learning? The Bible says there's two kinds of learning for a Christian. There's the learning that brings you to righteousness, repentance, and growth. And there's learning that is always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's responsible discipleship and there's irresponsible discipleship. And frivolous faith is filled with irresponsible discipleship. What's the problem with irresponsible discipleship? It leads you to false beliefs. You start really believing what the internet has to say. You don't worry about the credibility of the person. You just want to hear what you want to hear. And the third mark of danger of living with frivolous faith is that it's superficial. It's superficial. That worship this morning was awesome. I get to see it. I get to be through it twice. And I mean, just the, the energy that Lewis brings to when he sings, I love it. He just, he's, just, he's just got an energy. And then when the women combine and their voices combine, it's just beautiful. And the music and, and then that last song. And I don't know, those of you who have been New Lifers for a while, the first time we ever had that song sung in church was by a, a man named Johnny. He's moved to Colorado, but Johnny played keyboard up here. Puerto Rican, and, uh, and Johnny had an amazing and powerful voice, and he sang still, and uh, it always takes me back, because he would, he would, when he was saying in, in that song, it says, I will soar with you above the storm, I felt like I was there. When Johnny was singing, I felt like I was soaring above the storm in worship. But with frivolous faith, our worship becomes superficial. And superficial faith leads to a shallow passion. Superficial faith leads to a shallow passion. It's experiential. You live and, and you walk in your, in your life as a Christian from experience to experience. And the only way you can grow, the only way you stay excited is to have another experience. And that's totally opposite what the Bible tells us. Paul says we grow from faith to faith. Why? Because the just will live by faith. What does that mean? That means that you live by faith expression to faith expression. And when you express your faith, take something as simple as, as giving to the church. You say, I can't afford to give. And you'll have other people from another generation say, well, as a follower of Christ, you can't afford not to give. And you need to take, and it's difficult and it's a struggle, but you take that step 
of faith and say, I will give this amount to the church. But it's a little bit scary because the security of finances is no longer there. Have we not seen in the last nine months that f there is no security in finances? People are losing their homes. People, are losing, people lost their jobs. And people are losing everything right now. It's fleeting. But Jesus said, I will take care of my own. If I take care of the sparrows of the air, I will take care of you. If I take care of the flowers of the field, I will take care of you. So you take a step of faith, expressing your faith by giving financially to the kingdom of God through your local church, and God blesses you. And you say, oh, okay. Well, it worked that time, so let me try it again. And you do it again. And then you become very, you, you become very faithful. But sometimes in our giving, it turns into a routine, right? And we don't even think about it, and it becomes routine. What do we have to do then? We have to challenge ourselves by taking a deeper step of faith and say, okay, well, I'm going to take a deeper step by increasing my giving, or I'm going to take a deeper step by increasing my ministry time. I'm going to take a deeper step by getting involved in a different ministry. You know, uh, Donna Safford, our children's ministry director, is, uh, is building her team and expanding the children's ministry. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a two to four-year-olds class. That's a step of faith. And those who are being, in, those who are getting involved in that are saying, okay, I'm going to take a deeper step of faith and, and give more of my time to ministry. And God's going to bless because we grow and live and become more for him from faith to faith. Not experience to experience, but by ex from expression of faith to expression of faith. And the more faith you express in God, the more he blesses you so that you will grow. But frivolous faith doesn't understand that, and frivolous faith doesn't live that way. And Jesus doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live with passionate faith, and this is where we'll pick the message up and finish. Jesus wants us to live with a passionate faith. How do you know that you're living life with a passionate faith? Understand this, there's nothing frivolous about the walk of faith. There's nothing, listen, nowadays, right now, we're in the nasty now and now. You remember uh, the old-time old preachers would say, we sing about the sweet by and by, but we live in the nasty now and now? Well, we're living in the nasty now and now right now, right? These are tough times. These are difficult times. And it's a struggle to continue to live by faith and to continue to trust God when the world just continues to crash around you. Let me tell you, follower of Christ, now is when your faith is, more, is most important. And now, times like now, are when your faith is most visible. Because the world is crashing around us, but the righteous will stand. The world is crashing around us, but followers of Jesus who are anchored and solid in him are standing for him right now. And we're being witnesses for him. There's nothing frivolous about the walk of faith. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's full of obstacles and attacks. Don't fool yourself. It can be brutal. Approaching your walk of faith in a frivolous manner will go a long way to ensuring your spiritual destruction. Because of this fact, it's imperative that we understand how to live and walk in faith God's way. The first thing I see 
about a passionate faith is that a passionate faith takes life and ministry seriously. A passionate faith takes life and ministry seriously. <clears throat> it influences your serious decisions and understands that it takes every part of the body of Christ to build a church. It takes every part of the body of Christ to build a church. I am so excited about the last few weeks here at New Life. Not just because we've come together as a church, not just because we're, uh, we, we continue on and, and this and that and the other thing. I'm excited because I'm seeing more and more people come back. Do you realize the two, if the two services were together as one, we would, have, we would probably have to use the overflow room right now. That's why we have two services. Most churches are having sign-up sheets right now, and you have to sign up for a service. I get that because they're limited space, but what that does is leave a whole bunch of your people out in the cold. So that's why we went to two services. And if we start filling up both services, we're going to go to a third service. We're limited by how many people we can have in here, and the last thing I want to do is have us shut down because we break the rules. But we still need to offer the ability for all of our people and visitors. We've had visitors the last few weeks. People are coming. People are looking for churches. People are looking for places to go worship. And it's important that we as a church take our ministry seriously. And I'm seeing that at New Life. Did you know that other churches are shutting down right now? They're shutting down. They're not shutting down because they feel going virtual is, is safer. They're shutting down because nobody will come out to church. Yet here in New Life, we got people of faith, man. We got people who are passionate about service. We've got people that are passionate about ministry. My 87-year-old mother and father are here for two services on Sunday. Last Sunday, they were on vacation, so they only came to one. I had to counsel them, <laughs> pastoral counseling. It's awesome, man. We have people that are expressing their faith and are passionate about their faith. And because of that, God is blessing our church with growth and excitement. Why? Because there's power in a passionate faith. And a passionate faith takes life and ministry seriously. James, Joshua 24, 15 says, <clears throat> excuse me, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose yourselves this day. Which will you worship? The God your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Sometimes what a Christian does is struggle with what they're worshiping. See, the Israelites, <coughs> excuse me, the Israelites had a tough time in turning their backs on the old ways. And they thought it was much easier in Egypt. At least they had a roof over their head. At least they had food. And they may have been treated like uh, animals and slaves, but at least God was leading them to a promised land. God was providing manna. God was providing quail. Yet they were, some of them were stuck in the past. And that's the problem with many Christians. We're stuck in the past. Our struggles are with our past life. And we're struggling to put behind us the idols of our past. And the things we used to do, we think we can't live without. 
And therefore, we struggle with those actions and activities in our walk with faith. And it affects our passion. And we can't be as passionate and faithful as we want to be because we're carrying around these idols and worshiping these idols of our past life. When Jesus said, cut the ties, cut the ties and worship me. Some of us in church, <laughs> we just can't give ourselves completely to ministry and service because we just don't agree with everything they do and the way they do it there. You know what that problem is? You're worshiping the past. The last seven words of a dying church, we've never done it that way before. Seriously. It is important that we as individuals, followers of Christ, and as church members, learn how to adapt to situations. Jesus never changes. The Bible says God never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The message of Jesus Christ never changes. But the method with which we get that message out better change. It better change. I remember five years ago when we started doing Facebook Live. How many of you were here when we started doing Facebook Live? And anybody remember, um, anybody here hold a phone? <laughs> I know Aaron was one of the phone holders, and we had some people that would, would hold the phone during the service. And it was like, it was like riding the Superman at, at Six Flags while you're watching the service because it's shaking and stuff. <laughs> Did you know that we had other, I'd had, I had other pastors tell me that look at me and, and shake their heads at me and say, we'll never do that. I want, I don't want digital disciples. That's what they said. I don't want digital disciples. Where are you now? When the pandemic hit and they shut churches down, guess what church got phone call after phone call after email after text message? How can we do this? What can we do? You see, rather than fight the opportunity, we should embrace it, not the sinful side of it. Listen, there's a reason why our sons won't have cell phones until they're, you know, starting to collect Social Security. <laughs> they're dangerous. They're dangerous. We have to go in and put parental blocks on their tablets because they're nine years old. They're nine-year-old boys. They love, you, they love going to YouTube and watching videos on YouTube. Well, it's not just Bugs Bunny. You can watch Bugs Bunny on YouTube. You can also watch some other ugly stuff on YouTube. And Satan will get into the mind of a nine-year-old boy and take it where places that it doesn't, they, don't, they don't need to be going. In the Amazon uh, thing where, I forget what it's called, but it's the Amazon account. There's a profile for Michael, there's a profile for Gabriel, and there's a profile for me. You know what my boys do? Don't go on my profile, boys. You stay on yours. They go on my profile. Why? Because my profile didn't have any prohibitions on it. So now, my profile has, has, has parental blockage on it. Why? Because there is a terrible side to technology that can destroy your life, can destroy a marriage. Men going to sites they don't need to be going to when they're married to a woman. And ripping apart marriages and ripping apart lives and bringing burdens onto people that they shouldn't be carrying. And the only reason they carry them is because they got on the wrong side of the issue. But there's a beneficial side to technology. 
We have stayed in touch throughout this entire time. We have stayed connected through this entire time. People's needs have been met throughout this pandemic because of technology being able... Can you imagine not having uh, cell phones? Can you not... When, when we had uh, East Long Meadow lost power during that, that, uh, the, the storm that came through, did Springfield lose power during that time? Some places, right? Some neighbors. Can you imagine... I mean, this is how simple it was. I took my cell phone out to my truck and plugged it in and charged up my cell phone. And now I could be connected to the world. Can you imagine not having technology during times like that and trying to stay connected with people? It'd be difficult. It would be, it would be like the old days, right? Be like when I was a kid. It was easier to get away with, wasn't it, Susan? It was easier to get away with stuff when we were kids because there were no cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I asked Susan for a reason. But, but nowadays, this technology can be a blessing or a curse, and as Christians, we need to see it as a blessing, keep it in that blessing category and that blessing column so that we can use it to benefit the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve them both. And I'll say it again, nowadays we're seeing that happen. All the trust we had, your 401k, taking big hits. All these things. We, we tried to serve, Christians tried to serve God and money. Churches... You know what, what some of the, the, the biggest struggles the churches are having right now, some of the bigger churches? They had to build bigger, better, more elaborate. They had to have coffee shops. They had to have, they, and they don't call them coffee stations. They had to have bistros in their church. And now that nobody's going to church, they're falling short of their mortgage. And they're losing their stuff. They're losing their property. Because we began to worship money rather than worship God. And we wanted to be entertained rather than be drawn into ministry. And we weren't really taking... Remember, it, we go back and it was shallow, it's shallow faith. And you start choosing a church by the, the kind of coffee they serve. That's shallow. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen, Christian, the weight of your cross is immense at times. The weight of Jesus' cross was immense, immense at times. Remember, Jesus fell under the weight of the cross. How many times have you fallen under the weight of your own cross? It's become too heavy for you to carry. Yet, because you've ex exercised serious faith and connected with brothers and sisters in Christ in a church, a Simon of Cyrene has come along and has picked up your cross and walked with you and helped you get it to where you need to go. He goes on, and he says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? 
The second thing I see about a passionate faith is that passionate faith makes every decision important in the light of God's plan. Passionate faith makes every decision important in the light of God's plan. What, uh, when you're a passionate follower of Jesus, there are no small decisions anymore. Why? Because every decision makes, uh, every decision you make is going to be attacked and questioned and challenged by Satan. Somewhere along the line, you're going to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And as you get down that road, you're going to be like taking a hike in daylight, but getting lost on the path and darkness falling. And now you're questioning that decision. Why did I ever start down this road? And Satan is going to attack you and say over and over and over again, you made a bad choice. That passionate faith is going to say, no, I didn't. Because I prayed about it. Because I had a peace from God. And I know that if I just keep moving forward, I'm going to find daylight. Every choice affects your life and how you represent Jesus. Every choice influences your direction in life. Every choice has a determination for your future. Every decision literally has the potential to be eternal life or eternal death for someone without Jesus. Every decision needs to be viewed through the lens of God's word and his plan. I've made, uh, made no bones about it. I've talked about when growing up in my father and mother's house uh, being a house of prayer and a house of faith and my dad praying over little things, even buying a used car, right? Said this in the first service. I remember as a kid, Susan, you remember the, the blue car that dad came home with one, one day? It was a, a, like a blue, I forget. Was it a Buick dad? I forget what it was. Oldsmobile, blue Oldsmobile. And that car, some of you younger folks won't remember, won't, will think that we were crazy, but Melvin, you'll feel me on this one. It had no seat belts and no back seat. Remember that? No seat belts and no back seat. All it has was couch cushions in the back. And that's what we sat on. That's what we sat on, man. No seat belts and we sat on couch cushions in the back seat. It was awesome. It was awesome, right? I, I can remember when my dad and mom would come home in a car and we'd run out. I remember it was a big deal when my parents would get a new car and we'd go out and sometimes they'd test drive them and they'd bring them home and they'd, they'd park it in the yard and, or in the, park, in, the, in the driveway and we'd come out and look at it. I remember talking to my dad and I'd say, Dad, are we going to get this car? And he'd look at me and say, if it's God's will, we're going to pray about it. And if this is the car God wants for us, then God's going to provide it for us. And you know that, that thank you, mom and dad, for raising me that way. That, that means a lot. Because nowadays, I pass that on to my children. And my wife and I live that way. And we pray about what God would have us do. When we chose to buy a home, that's a big step for a pastor of a small church. That's a big step moving out of a free house to now live on the economy. And I prayed. I said, God, if this is your will, if this is what my family needs, then open that door. 
and the doors flew open all over the place. Did you know that the pandemic couldn't even stop God from giving us a house? The day we signed our mortgage, the day we signed on closing, is the day they shut society down. The lawyer opened up her office just for us. That is a fact. You trust God and you're passionate and you live from faith to faith. God works everything out. Even Satan's, Satan's designs can't stop his plan. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3 says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what, was see what is seen was not made from things that are not visible. Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. How did Job get through such an amazing struggle in his life? He lost everything in a matter of minutes. How did he survive? Because he trusted the words of God more than he trusted the things he needed to stay physically alive. Job knew that I cannot survive spiritually. And if I can't survive spiritually, then life is not worth living as a believer. And I cannot survive spiritually if I am not connected to my source. And it's more important to be for, to, for me to be connected to my spiritual source than it is for me to be connected to my physical source. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my daily food. And that's passion. That's passionate faith. And the last way I see passionate faith being important to us is this. Passionate faith builds an intense fire in our spirit. Passionate faith builds an intense fire, intense fire in our spirit. Faith in Jesus is not a hobby. Faith in Jesus, walking this walk of faith is not a hobby. Ask anybody who walks this walk faithfully and intensely, and they will tell you this isn't a hobby. Following Jesus isn't for the faint of heart, because somewhere down the road you're going to be attacked. Remember that song, Farther Along? Farther Along will know all about it. Farther Along will understand why. I always love that part, cheer up. Cheer up, because like, we always, anyway, just cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. You'll understand it all by and by. Well, there's a part in that song that said, Christians struggle, but others about us are never, never molested, though they're in the wrong, Right? People prosper in this life. People who don't care about Jesus Christ don't want anything to do with them. They prosper. Why? Because this is all they have. And the children of God are attacked because they want, Satan wants to stop us from serving. He wants to destroy your passion. Passionate faith builds an intense fire in our spirit. Tommy Tenney said, if you want the fire of God, you must become the fuel of God. If you want the fire of God, you must become the fuel of God. Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29 say, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. He wants to consume you. He wants to take over, and he wants to consume your entire life. And have you live as a burning bush before the world? Remember the burning bush that Moses saw? The great thing about that bush was that it was on fire, but it didn't burn. It was not consumed. 
What does the Bible say? We are not consumed by our daily problems because of the faithfulness of God. Matthew 5, verse 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching the Beatitudes. And he says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. <laughs> Does that describe your, your passion for your walk with Jesus? You hunger and thirst for righteousness? Let me give you this illustration. Friday, Aaron and I went out and celebrated our anniversary. Our anniversary was Thursday. We celebrated with the boys on Thursday night. And Friday night, we went out for, uh, out for dinner. And we went to Highbrow, Drew Brow's restaurant. And, uh, oh, Lord. Anybody else order way too many appetizers before you order your meal? Actually, for me, there cannot be too many appetizers. Anyway, um, we ordered appetizers. We ordered sticky ribs, because if you go to Highbrow and you don't get sticky ribs, you're in sin. Amazing. Those sticky ribs are just amazing. And then Drew said he was driving along the, the road and he saw a, a farmer out there, and on a flatbed truck, he had a bunch of pumpkins. And on the, on the, uh, the pumpkin, on, on that flatbed truck, were also some different squash. And he saw these blue, thank you for the blue Hubbard squash. I, I don't ever remember seeing one, but it's a blue Hubbard squash. And he saw those, and he said that they were much cheaper than he normally buys them for. So he bought some, and he took them back to his restaurant and made, uh, made a, a soup, and it was a bisque. And it was a uh, squash bisque. And, oh, my goodness. It was incredible with all the stuff, bacon and apples. He put apples in it. It was great. And just amazing, amazing. And that was another appetizer. And then we got calamari, which was phenomenal. Nothing like a little squid to make your day, right? And then we ordered dinner. And I ordered the short ribs with potato and... Um, Parsnip, potato and parsnip mashed, and, and it had, uh, 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 what are those little cabbages? Uh, Brussels, had Brussels sprouts that he had, he had kind of grilled, and oh my goodness, it was amazing. This is not the stuff you should be talking about at the second service, I'm just saying, <sighs> because it's right near lunchtime. I couldn't, I couldn't finish. I couldn't finish. I was so full. Aaron, Aaron couldn't finish. She had the, the um, uh, bolognese, and it, we, we couldn't finish our meal. I was stuffed. And then the waitress came and asked if we wanted dessert, and I said yes. <laughs> of course. Why not? In truth, I was thinking about dessert before we ever ordered the first thing, because <laughs> am I Come on, be serious. Because on that menu, he had this triple chocolate mousse cake. Oh my gosh, with fresh made whipped cream, the strawberries on the top. I was like, strawberries, what's that, decoration? Brad had to brush, had to brush that off. Fresh fruit. <laughs> chocolate comes from a plant, it's a bean, it's a vegetable. And even though I was stuffed and I could barely breathe, I ate every part, and if it wasn't the fact that it was in public, I'd have licked my plate, because it was so good. Oh my gosh, was it delicious. Can I be honest with you? I really wish that that would describe my desire for the Word of God all the time. That after reading and being full 
of God's word, I'd say, God, I want dessert. And I want the coffee too, especially the coffee. God, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for you. I'm thirsty for your word. Hey, man, does that describe you during these times? If you're struggling with your faith, maybe that's why. Because you're hungry, hungering and thirsting after the, the protection of an election, the certainty of government. Or you're hungering and thirsting after a paycheck because you're terrified of what would happen if you don't have an income. All this time, he's saying, if you hunger and thirst after me and my righteousness, I will cover you. I've got you covered. I take care of the sparrows. I take care of the flowers. I can take care of you. I will watch over you because my children don't go begging bread. My children are taken care of by me. Hebrews 6, verses 17 through 19 say, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of their promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things it is in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Can I tell you something? I need to remember that. I need to be reminded. I had it tattooed on my arm. Hebrews 6, 19. He's an anchor for my soul. He's an anchor for my soul. He's what keeps me grounded. He's what keeps me steady. And when I start getting all crazy, he's right there. When I start getting discouraged, he's my anchor. When I start drifting, that chain pulls taut. And he pulls me back to himself. John Wesley said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. And Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, but his message becomes a burning, a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in, and I cannot prevail. It has to come out. Why? Because Jesus, I'm hungry for you. Jesus, I'm desperate for you. That's a passionate faith. That's the passionate faith that will keep you close to him. That's a passionate faith that will keep you strong during the struggles. That's a passionate faith that will keep you connected and busy and active and productive during the most scary times in your life's history. Because you know there's a purpose behind it. Listen, what's going on today is not Satan winning. Can I tell you that? Let me just give you a little insight to what the Bible has to say. This pandemic, all the weather stuff, the, the, uh, the, the crazy stuff that's going on in the weather today, all the struggles, the racial tension, the anger, the fact that nobody can get along anymore. Nobody, man, nobody can get along. Did you see a, a, bike, uh, a racer on a bicycle team? got fired 
for saying he liked Donald Trump, his company fired him? I, listen, I don't care who you like and who you don't like, but you, have, you should have that right to like who you like and who you don't like. And you lose your job simply because you voted for somebody else? That's pathetic, but that's the world we live in today. All these things that are going on are not Satan winning the battle. All the things that are going on, the Bible calls birth pangs. This is God saying to his children, your time on earth is short. Get busy. People need me. And he's trying to tell the world, your time is short. Do you realize that when Jesus, and we're off, we're off topic, but we're, it's a tangent, so we'll be able to reel ourselves back in, okay? Do you realize that when we leave here in the rapture, because we, we are pre, we're pre-tribulation, uh, that's what we teach here, that we're going to go in the rapture before the tribulation. Do you realize that when the rapture takes place, people have seven years left to find Jesus? <laughs> what will make it difficult is that the church is gone. Our time is short. What God is trying to say to us is, listen, look up, your redemption draws nigh, but other people need it too. So get busy. Get busy. It's like the, that bumper sticker that's supposed to be funny. Jesus is coming back, look busy. Well, that's true. Jesus is coming back, get busy. Get busy. No one ever said that walking the road of faith would be easy. No one ever said that you'd be successful in every endeavor, but Jesus did promise to walk with us. He promised to even carry us when we need him to. All he asks is that we surrender our will to his. Frogs get killed on the roads because they fool around. They don't take the danger seriously, and eventually a car comes along that takes them out. That's the tragedy of a frivolous frog. If you're one of those followers of Jesus who doesn't take it seriously, the dangers, the attacks, the challenges, the struggles, or the disappointments, eventually one will come along and take you out. Your frivolous faith won't be enough to stand against it. Why not make today the day you get serious for God? Why not make today the day you started following Jesus with passion and started building your life on Jesus? As we close, I want to share with you the, some words from the song, Build My Life. It says, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being here today. Lord, it is not a burden to have two services. It's a blessing. Father, I love sharing your word, and I'm so thankful that you give me that privilege. And I'm thankful that people have braved the circumstances of life. Here in New England, in the wintertime, we have to brave the elements to come to church. But right now, we're having to brave the circumstances of life, God. I'm so thankful that we have so many that chose to. I'm so thankful that we've had so many that have chose to watch us on Facebook. Father, these are, these are tough times. And they're times that don't just challenge our endurance as a human being and 
our mental stability. They're times that challenge our faith as followers of you. God, the little things can get in and divide us. The little things can get in and, and cause us to struggle. The, the little things can get in and, and tell us, uh, cause us to just drop, drop our hands or throw up our hands in frustration and walk away. And we're seeing that. But God, I know that that's not what you want from us. You want us not to live with frivolous faith. You want us to live with passionate faith. So this morning, I pray that you will pour out your spirit on each and every one of us. You'll anoint us with your passion. You'll anoint us with your power. And we'll feel your Holy Spirit renewing within us the desire and rekindling within our spirits that flame of passion that will grow to an all-consuming fire that will take us over and cause us to look beyond our circumstances, to look beyond our situation, and to see your purpose and your goal. I pray for each individual in this church, each person who's here today live, each person who has watched us on Facebook, God, that you'll burn in their hearts, in their spirit, a passion to serve you. And I pray for this church, God, that we will continue to move forward God, we're seeing great things happen. You are, you're, God, you're growing our church in the middle of a pandemic. That's amazing to me. While churches are shutting down, God, you're growing new life. People are excited. But God, we want to be like our military. We don't want to leave anyone behind. So God, I pray that the passion that is lit, the fire that is lit in many of our, in many of our people will spread to others. I pray that we'll reach out to our brothers and sisters in church. We'll reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't have a church, and we'll draw them in. We'll let them know that they're not alone. We'll let them know that they're cared for and they're loved, and that there's a place that they can come and exercise their faith, and they can continue to use you as the anchor of their soul. And God, may we be cautious of our own lives and our own walks with you. Lord, would you bless us as we go from this place? Bless each individual, bless this church. God, may, may we truly be a light in darkness for people. We pray all this in your precious holy name. Amen.